uh, abundance. John 10.10 says, Jesus came to give us life in its most abundant form. And so when Chris and their team put together the, the, um, the titles, the subject matter for each one, uh, I looked at them all, and there was one in particular I thought, I don't know what I'm going to do with that one, and maybe I'll skip that one. And then Chris said, and then this week you'll be at Orchard Grove. And I said, oh, but it's that one. <laughs> I couldn't skip it. So today we're going to talk about uh, pain and suffering. And... It's kind of odd, isn't it? Because the title of the series is Abundance. And the title of the message is Pain and Suffering. The two don't seem to kind of go together. And, and you know, in our, in our life experience, I think that for the most part, when you're going through any sort of pain, any sort of suffering, you wouldn't, you wouldn't suggest to anybody that you're living in abundance at that time. Wouldn't you agree? I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, try to, try to sell you on something that's just sounds good when someone's preaching it, but in reality, living it doesn't really work so well. So what we thought we'd do, um, I didn't want Michelle to worry all week long about speaking. So I told her this morning that we're doing this together. (laughs) And I said, I'm going to kill you. (laughs) (laughs) When she speaks at our church, everybody says, you should have her speak more. I think they mean more than me, which is fine with me. Um, but uh, you, a, a number of, uh, maybe years ago now, you had a speaker here, was a basketball player for, uh, was he for Michigan? His name was Austin Hatch. How many remember him? Show of hands, Austin Hatch. Austin, when he was here, he said this. He said, I really only had two bad days in my life. You remember that? Who remembers that? Two bad days. What were they? Two plane crashes lost his entire family. Only had two bad days. Well, when I heard that, I thought of my own life, and I thought, you know what? I, I think I've only really had two bad days in my life. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to talk to you about those two bad days. Uh, and then, of course, the second one, uh, Michelle's going to share from her, her perspective. But what I want to communicate to you is... Uh, uh, not so much. Whoever has the, you have the question, uh, why is there pain and suffering in the world? Anybody? Why? Right? Listen, so, so we hear in church, right? God is all loving. Correct? Also, we hear in church, God is all powerful. Correct? So if we have an all loving, all powerful God, why doesn't he intervene in my pain and my suffering? I had a really, a really good movie. I was going to bring a clip this morning. It's, uh, how many saw Bruce Almighty? Bruce Almighty, his, his life is just kind of going, going to pot. He said, I don't understand, where is God in all this? Had a great conversation with a friend yesterday, and we were talking uh, uh, in, this, in this kind of line. And we were mentioning the Psalms, David and the Psalms. If you read the Psalms, David crying out, God, where are you? Like, why have you forsaken me? So you don't read that and say, see, God forsakes people. You read that as David being a human like you and I, feeling like, well, all these things happen in my life, and God, where are you? Why don't you intervene? I think there's not a one of us in life that goes through a difficult time that doesn't say, God, what? I don't understand. Where, where are you? Why don't you come to my aid? So that's kind of what I want to talk about. When I was 17, July 7th, 1978, uh, my brother woke me up 
and told me that our father had passed away. He was 44 years old. He died of a massive heart attack. Now, up to that point in my life, we were, uh, I would say, uh, we were went to a, a Catholic church. I would say I was Catholic, sort of like Olive Garden is Italian, if that makes sense to you. <laughs> kind of in name only. Uh, but let me just tell you what that did for me. That sent me on a, a quest. A quest of understanding, understanding, uh, understanding life. Up to that point in my life, I lived to please my father, which a lot of young boys, that's the way we live life. We want our father to be proud of us. We want our father to give us that attaboy and to be there at all our events, no matter what we do. And to be. And when my father died, um, I was a... I played football and I was a, a quarterback on the football team. And so my senior year, you're the quarterback on the football team. That's, that's big. And my father wasn't there to watch me. And so it kind of came and went and, and didn't have very much meaning. As a matter of fact, my mother would come to the games. And she would be there and, and, and someone saw her that was from another team that knew her and said, you know, my mother's name is Aggie. And they said, Aggie, what are you doing here? She said, my son plays on the team. And they said, what position? And she said, I don't know. He's number 19. <laughs> and they looked and he goes, oh, your son's the quarterback. Oh, yeah, something like that. It wasn't the same as having your dad be there. And so I tell you that because I was a lost 17-year-old young man trying to find my way in the world. If I didn't have a father to live to please, uh, how, how would I live? And so it sent me on a, a, a journey uh, in pursuit of, of something more. And it's through that that I came to an understanding that there, there is a God. And it wasn't wrapped up in just this, this denomination, this way. This I'm not saying anything bad about any way. That's not what I'm here to say. But it wasn't, it wasn't tied to uh, 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 some sort of system. And so I came to an understanding that there's more out there, and it, and it brought me into a relationship with, with Jesus. I thought it brought me into a relationship with Jesus. But what I want to tell you is from that time up until uh, a time that happened with Michelle and I, that I'll let her share a little bit, um, I, I lived with a certain narrative about God. If you read your Bible, there's a, there's, a, there's a part in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. If you haven't read Deuteronomy, I don't blame you. It's pretty boring. But there's a part in there that says this. It says, if you obey all of my commands, all of them. Raise your hand if you obey all of them. Anybody? I figure it might be someone back there. I don't know. Right. Nobody. So it says this. If you obey all of my commands, you will be blessed. And then it says, if you break one of them, you will be cursed. In Deuteronomy. This this way that they saw the world, their understanding of, uh, at this point at least, their understanding of, of God, or, or even gods, right? Even outside of, of Scripture. But what I didn't know was this, is that that narrative about God permeates a lot of Christianity today. Do you believe me? Let me ask you this. 
Something ever go, go bad in your life and you wonder, what did I do wrong for this to happen? See, we all, we're all, we've all been kind of, uh, you know, grown, grown up with that idea, that thought. That somehow, that here, well, I play golf, right? Any golfers out there? So I play golf. No golfer? Holy smokes. I feel a uh, cut. okay, two or three. Um, <laughs> they don't want to admit it. Or they're all golfing right now. That's where they're at. Yeah, they're all golfing. Um, when we're golfing, right, and, and somebody has a good shot, Inevitably, especially when you know guys from my church were like, "Oh, you must have said your prayers this morning, right?" So I know we're joking, but in every joke, there's a little, a little bit of truth in there. This idea, listen, there's this idea that it's a quid pro quo sort of thing with God. If I if I if I live and do the right thing, now listen, I know I can't obey all of them, so we kind of we kind of just ignore that a little bit and we think well I mean surely he doesn't want to obey all of them but I'm doing pretty good because you compare yourself with who someone who's not doing so good how many of you ever looked at your spiritual life and said I wonder how I'm doing let me compare myself with mother Teresa we don't too often do that do we we compare ourselves to well I'm no Hitler right I'm no someone worse than us and well I'm, I'm pretty good and if you ask somebody kind of, you know, where they are, or, you know, are you, are you in God's good graces? Well, I am. Well, where are you? Well, if you look at it like a ladder, like I'm climbing a ladder of faith, right? The cutoff place is, I don't know where, somewhere like the run right below me, no matter where you are, right? Because I, I, I'm just in. I'm, I made it. So, so uh, coming back to our story, I, I, I live this way, and I think Michelle pretty much lived this way. Uh, which is a which is a way to live. Don't get me wrong. It's a, it's a way to it's a it's a way to understand God. But I think we we need to grow in our understanding of God. Hey, have you ever tried to talk to somebody about God and they say to you, "I don't believe in God." Anybody? They say, "I don't believe in God." Well, what I often do, try this. I ask them, "Well, tell me about describe the God that you don't believe in." And when they do, inevitably I go, "Well, I don't believe in that God either." I don't believe that God exists. And so this, this way in which we lived, Michelle and I were, were missionaries. I'd like, maybe I'm sharing. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I actually just want to share in going back and sharing a little bit. Jeff has shared his moment in his life. And I also had a moment. I grew up very differently than Jeff. I grew up in the church. My dad was a pastor. Um, but had this same view, I guess, of God that he was up there looking over me and but and loving me. But the moment that I did something wrong, I felt like I was going to something was going to happen. I was going to be, I guess, not punished, but maybe disciplined or whatever. But had that view. Was very involved with the youth group at my church. I attended one of the larger churches in Flint. Um, and during youth group days, and but felt all along that I had a healthy view and relationship with God. And then I had a moment in my life. I attended a Christian Bible college. I knew God wanted me to be a missionary. I had my life all planned out. Met a guy who had the same um, 
the same calling as I did, and he wanted to be a missionary. We got engaged. I was doing everything that I thought was right in God's eyes and, and going along the path that I was supposed to be on. I had the right guy. We, were, we had the same goals. We were going in the, the same direction. My parents at that time were missionaries. Um, they had started out in Africa, and now they were living in Brussels, Belgium. I had graduated from Bible college, and I went to Brussels, Belgium, to live with them and to work with them in a ministry there. So you can see, kind of, you, you think doing all the right things, maybe to get that approval from God that I was looking for. I, I don't really know. But in one night, everything changed for me. And it was May 29th, 1996. I'll never forget the date. I got a phone call, and it was from my fiancé. And he told, actually, before the phone call, my parents had sat me down in their, their living room there in Brussels. And they sat me down, and they told me that my mom had bone cancer. She had multiple myeloma. And I can remember sitting there on the couch feeling this overwhelming sense of anger because I was like, why? Why my mom? She was a missionary doing everything right according to what we thought. You know, I thought she's doing everything right. Why her? And then 10 minutes later, I get a phone call from my fiance and he begins to tell me that he met someone else and he was going to marry her instead. And he did three months later. So one night, my world came crashing down. And I thought, what now? This whole idea, thought that I had, that you know, God was there, he was planning, he had directed. I thought I was doing everything right. And then in one, in one night, I had no idea what to do next or where to go next. So we've had these experiences of... of pain and suffering. There's a scripture in 1 Peter 4.12 It says this, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering. It says, as though something strange were happening to you. Now, if you caught in our stories, both of us lived a life where we thought this is something strange that's happening to us because it, it doesn't happen to us. We understand that, that bad things happen in the world. But Maybe not so much in Orchard Grove. I don't know what churches you came from, but kind of from our background, uh, the, there's, a, there, there's this hierarchy of, of, of spirituality. I hate to say it like that, but that's the way it was kind of seen. And so if you're, if you're in the church, well, that's one level. That's great. At least, you, at least you found it. The next level is maybe you're a worker in the church and you do kids camp and right wow that's another level and then then maybe you teach a a, a, a small group and and maybe you're on staff as a pastor another another rung of the ladder or maybe you're the senior pastor and then and then you have the the, the top rung far and away past all the others and that's missionary let me tell you as as missionaries when we came to churches people treated you that way Wow, you guys are special. You guys are really doing it. You guys, God's got, God's <clears throat> shining down on you. You're, God's favor is on you. You guys are really, really living the life, really doing it, right? And so we, we believed that, didn't we? We fell into that, that, 
that mindset of, yeah, it's true. We are the ones. And so we, uh, we became missionaries with Wycliffe Bible Translators. And we went to uh, Congo, Brazzaville, in the heart of Africa, a place where there's, uh, there was three, three civil wars in five years in our country. Uh, the infrastructure was devastated. And this is where we went into, and we took our two small boys. They were three and five when we left America for Africa and raised them four years there. And our younger son, we think, got malaria there. And Right, are you with me? We're, we're, we're doing it. Yeah, God's, God's happy with us. God's pleased with us. He must be. And then, towards the end of our time there, I still don't know how this happened. Uh, Michelle got pregnant. That was a joke. I know how it happened. Um, and, you know, we weren't planning on having another child. And, and uh, so uh, it was right, uh, you, we came home, you were in the like, first couple months, right? Yeah. It was in our last year of serving there in Congo that... There wasn't a lot to do in Congo. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it was during our last year there. Right. We were looking to come home and discovered that I was pregnant. And it was a huge shock because we weren't planning it. And so automatically, I think your mind goes, well, then this surely is from God. Because, you know, he must have good plans for this baby because we weren't planning it. So we actually had people tell us that. Yeah. We actually had people say, well, this is such a gift from God, and, and uh, he must have, you know, awesome plans for this child. You, you get what I'm saying? You, you, you know this. You know this. If you've been around the church for a while, this kind of language, this kind of, and it comes from, it comes from this, this God narrative that I would say, that God doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. He doesn't exist. And so, well, don't go on and tell the story. <laughs> All right. So we came home from Congo and um, settled in our life in Pittsburgh, looking forward to having this baby, discovered it was going to be another boy. And um, everything went well through the pregnancy. And it came time. It was probably a week or so before my due date. And I began to feel what I thought were contractions and went into the hospital and um, I don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, when we arrived, they, you know, put the monitor on and discovered that they could not find a heartbeat. And they did everything, you know, did every which way, and there was no heartbeat. So proceeded to tell us that the baby had passed away. Um, but I still had to deliver him, of course. So they induced me, put me in labor, and we had... Um, our little boy Bryce we named him we have Brent and Brock and then our third one was Bryce um, who did not survive but and so it was difficult of course because we had these thoughts in our mind and our you know well surely God has great plans for this little boy and then our world I think just came crashing down once again because it didn't work out the way we thought. And, and what now? Just the same as with his dad, with my relationship with my mom. And um, what now? We just, we lost our son. And 
begin to question a lot, I think, probably even more so you than me, um, about God and who he is. So let me just pick, just pick up there. Because this is really what, you, what we want to know is, how, how do you, what do you do now? How do you get through now? You know, I remember when that happened. I remember people coming along and trying to say some nice platitudes and just meaningless. People's words were meaningless to me at that time. And I remember distinctly in a time uh, alone, I remember thinking, I remember like, I guess I was talking to God, but kind of, you know, was doubting, right? And I said, God, there's something wrong here in our relationship. Something wrong. And I'm, and I'm pretty sure it's not you. I wasn't 100% sure. I thought, God, you're, you're doing something wrong here. And so, like when my father died, I, uh, it, 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 it propelled me on a quest for, I'm just going to say more. I don't, know how, I don't know how else to describe it, but more. Because I believe there was more out there. I didn't know what I meant by more at that time with my father. I actually didn't even know what I meant by more at this time with my son. But I said, there's got to be more to this than what I'm currently experiencing. There's a book by uh, Richard Rohr. The title, so I picked up this book back when this happened, and it was amazing because the title speaks to my journey over the past 10 years. It's called Falling Upward. Falling Upward. Because this certainly was a, a falling point in my life. Little did I know that I would be falling upward. Now, if someone would have came along and told me that in that time, it wouldn't have meant anything to me, to be honest with you. I was in too much pain and too much grief. And, and you know, in Ecclesiastes, it tells us, listen, there's a time to grieve. But then it also tells us there's a time to rejoice. And there's a, there's a in, in, in this passage that I read in, uh, in Peter, 1 Peter, it says this, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that in that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. There's this, there's this idea, it's not rejoice, some people say it wrong, or you get it wrong, you think it wrong, rejoice because of your sufferings. Friends, no one, no one should ever rejoice because they suffer. But what we do is within our suffering, we find a way to rejoice. And, and it doesn't come right away. And so for me, Michelle was you know, going through her thing, and I was going through my thing. And I began this, this, this I'll call it a pursuit. But let me tell you what I did. I got to a place where I said, I don't know, I'm not certain about anything. Probably the best statement I have ever made in my life. I'm not certain about anything. Because I think most of my problem was all my life in Christianity, I was certain. I knew. I knew how God worked. I knew how he was supposed to work. I knew how the system worked. I knew how it all worked. 
Mm-hmm. And it's only when your world comes crashing down that you realize this system that you had built, that you had, uh, it's just, it's a house of cards is all it is. It's a house of cards. And when it came crashing down, I began to say, you know, I began to do the thing that I was always told that you should never do. Question. I thought, no questions off the table. Because if, if it's true, it's going to stand. If it's not, then I could just let it go for now. For now. And I began to question everything. I began to question things like, now don't be too shocked. I began to question things like the virgin birth. I began to question things like the Trinity. I began to question things like those these these uh, words we use of God. You know, He's omnipotent and omniscient, and all these things. I began to question all those things. But the but the the I think the thing that I want to leave with you more than anything else is this: is that at the very end of where I'm where I am now, what I'm discovering more and more and more and more and more is the power of God's grace and His love and His mercy. And not just for me, but His grace and His love and His mercy for the world. And it's given me a, it's given me a, a view of humanity unlike I had ever had in my life. I used to think, you know, uh, you know the church that I went to, well, we're in, you know, sorry for all those people out there, but you know, we're in and they're not and, and, and God favored us and I began to realize, wow, God's love is so much greater than I had ever anticipated in my life. And what I'm here to tell you is this. Your sermon series is on abundance. There's no greater abundance in life in letting go of your preconceived ideas about what what God is, what He must be, what He should do, what He has to do, and, and fall heavy on His love and His grace and His mercy in your life. And what's going to happen is this. What's going to happen is John 10.10 10 is going to, start to, going to start to kind of bubble up in your life. Jesus said, you want to know why He came? He said, this is why I came. So that you so that you all, so that you may have life in its most abundant form. Now, I know church says, well, it's like, well yeah, he wants to give you eternal life. It's true. Eternal life isn't a, isn't a time in the future, isn't, a, isn't a, a period of time. Eternal life is a way of living. A way of living. And he wants you to experience that kind of life. Because what I want you to know is, we face trials of many kinds. Sometimes there are people in the world right now that are, are facing trials that are being persecuted for their faith. Right? That's a, that's a kind of trial. Per, persecuted for a faith in God, in, in Jesus. Now, I, I, there, are, there are some people today that will say, oh yeah, I'm, just, I'm being persecuted because I, you know, I love Jesus and I'm just being persecuted. Oh, I, really, how's that? Well, the government, they're just after me because you know, I'm a Christian. Well, why is that? Well, I haven't paid my taxes in 10 years. No, you're not being persecuted because you're a Christian. You're being prosecuted because you're a dummy. You see what I'm saying? So we, we bring some suffering on ourselves, right? There are consequences to our actions. The Bible says, you reap what you sow. If you're, if you're walking around, you're a knucklehead, 
you know what? That's what you're going to reap if you're extending grace. So I, I just want, I'm going to let Michelle close. But I want to leave you with this. In this passage of Scripture, <clears throat> it kind of it kind of lands with two things that I that I stumbled onto not not realizing no one shared with me or I didn't even find it in the Bible but it's in there and that's this during times of pain and suffering and I don't want to make this sound sound trite or simple or anything but to to search out God in your life to look for him in a, in, a, in a deeper way because pain and suffering will make you go deeper. And then the second thing in Peter, what it kind of leads you to is this. After that, when, you, or when you're doing that, also reach out to others. I, I listen to a lot, a lot of Christmas messages and a, a common theme, like your theme for the children, was this. Do good. Do good. Do good in our world. Do good for others. It's a healthy thing when you start, if you, all you're looking is inward at your pain, at your sorrow, at your suffering. It just, it just expands it. If you begin to, to dig deeper in, in the, do the, do the hard work of, uh, of self-evaluation, understand where, where am I? What, what do I think about God? Who is he really? And then reach out to others. And what you'll find is there is abundance in that way of living. True abundance. Michelle, why don't you share a few closing words? Well, I, I feel bad because we've told a few very sad stories. But I hope you know that we came out of that sadness. And we came out of that grief. I think back, um, and I think we've even shared my story a little bit before. But going back to that evening when I found out about my mom and, and about my fiance, I, I did come out of that. And I, I'm so thankful that God, and I can look at it in a good way, that God gave my mom four more years after that, after that she was diagnosed to where she could see the birth of our first son. She saw the, the, the marriage of my brother. She was a part of things. And then 10 days after that phone call, believe it or not, this guy came into my life. Ten days after that, my the, the broken engagement. And I looked for a white horse to come riding in on, but I <laughs> just couldn't. I, it took me a while, but he grew on me. And so... <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> um, you know, people say there's a reason for everything. or I, I don't know <laughs> how much... I believe that. I, I do see it out of these things that have happened in our life. I can remember when we lost Bryce, and one of our mentors in Africa wrote us this sweet letter and told us in the letter, although we had a hard time maybe seeing or understanding at first, but he said that I believe that through, I might be getting it wrong, but through Bryce's death, many people are going to come to know Jesus. And it was after that loss and Jeff's search and his questioning, both of us really, but him probably deeper and more so than me, that he, our view and our, our relationship with God changed in a great and mighty way. 
And it was through that step and through those things that Jeff began to grow and Jeff began to think your question. And long story short, there's so many things in between, but then we started Freedom Life Center. And we've seen the people come through Freedom Life Center and the people that have come to know Jesus. And so I always think back to his letter and what he said, because, and again, you know, I know it's cliche to say there's a reason or things happen for a reason or there's, you know, God's going to work it out all, all out for his glory, things like that. But I do see that through this loss, as painful as it was, that we began a journey. And that journey led us to start Freedom Life Center. And that journey brought many people yeah. to Jesus. Let me, let me, just, let me just say, we, we don't believe that God needed to take our son. Are you with me? To have us on a journey. We don't believe that. Listen, things happen in this world. And we don't understand them. And I'm not going to try to explain your pain and your suffering away. I, I can't do it. I'm not going to do it. But I know that God's love is like a father's love. And that when things happen with my children, I do, I do everything I can to help them through it. That's why it says rejoice in your suffering. Not, not of your suffering, but in it, during it. Rejoice. Find reasons to rejoice. It doesn't happen right away, that's for sure. But we're, we're, our journey is still continuing. And we know we probably have more, more pain, more heartache ahead of us. The Bible, the Bible says this. Listen, don't think it's strange. Because it happens to everybody. And I, and I take away from that this idea of, of kind of be ready. Not, not that you could plan your suffering, but be, be ready. All I'm saying is just say, you know, I know that it may come in my life. And so I'm not, uh, Michelle and I uh, go ahead with our eyes wide open. Bad things happen in this world. They do. And I'm going to be ready for it. I'm going to allow it to, allow it to even, even drive me in a deeper relationship with God, with my wife, with my family, with my friends. And I hope it will do the same for you.